Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm still Pete. And on the stack. Still Pete. I'm still, still Pete, Pete. After still all these years. Anyway, uh, we on the stack we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and we're going to kick it off with a big one for us personally. Lock and Key, Sandman, Helen God, number one from IDW Publishing well, and DC Comics by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Now we should mention before Pete says whatever he is going to say that yeah. we had Joe and Gabriel Rodriguez and the uh, editor Chris Ryle on the live show just this past week, just yesterday. If you're listening to this immediately, so definitely check that out for some inside scoop. About the, the issue. And honestly, Pete, some news potentially. Yeah. Pete, what's going on? I was going to welcome Justin back, you know, because he oh, was away last week. You know, that's nice. Oh. That's nice. That takes, that takes care. That really acknowledges my absence, which I was, you know, upset about. Really sad to not be here, as always. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, sometimes when Alex is talking, I just kind of zone out and think, I wonder what Justin would be saying if he was here, you know? Uh, mm. Good huh. Lord. Anyway, so this nice comic was back. real good. I like this comic. What did you think of this comic book? Yeah, I mean, it's it's how many different ways can you describe how amazing something is? It's bananas good. It's off the charts, unbelievable. I mean, it makes other comics look like pieces of shit. It's really <laughs> fucking good. It's I there's some of the spreads in there just floored me. Absolutely floored me. The detail, the the majestic nature in a panel. I, I don't know how... I think Gabriel Rodriguez made a deal with the devil. And, like, I don't know how... Mm-hmm. Art is just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, this is... This is fantastic in a lot of different ways. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but it's it's like a it's a seamless uh, sort of marriage between these two, like, titanic uh, comic book universes. It this book both captures the dreamlike nature of the Sandman series, while also really sticking close to the sort of tense, uh, emotionally driven um, uh, storytelling of Lock and Key. The characters introduced here and recalled from the Sandman universe are so taken care of. Uh, Mary Locke uh, is so great as a character; like the whole thing is just great. So to get into spoilers for the book, and don't listen, obviously you don't want to know, but this is picking up after the end of Impale Battalions Go, which was the previous Lock and Key miniseries. The son of Chamberlain, Chamberlain Locke, John Locke, has died and more in a big sacrifice, but he's never recovered from that. So he is metaphorically in hell. His daughter, Mary Locke, decides to figure out a way to get him out of hell by getting her brother out of hell. So the way that she comes up with this is she's going to take a side trip through the dreaming in order to get to hell. And to do that, she talks to Roderick Burgess, who is the man who captured Morpheus right at the beginning 
of the Sandman series. Yes. What was so wild to me that I was not expecting was how tied into Sandman continuity this was. You know, we've seen a lot of stuff from the Dreaming because there's all the Sandman universe books. So I sort of expected, okay, we'll see Cain and Abel. We'll see the House of Mystery. That's fine. But for this to be set in such a specific time and place for Sandman, uh, mind-blowing. Well, and also it uh, it's a, a little bit of a Sandman prequel in a way. Yeah. Like it's like it really it gives us details about these characters that is so exciting. It's just exciting to explore a world that we have not seen with such a trusted team of Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez on this. Um, I said this on the podcast, but Mary Locke is such a great character. Uh, unlike the other Locke kids and the other Locke characters, she is is a little bit of a, a mischief maker. She has that innocent energy of so many of the other characters in Lock and Key, but she's a little aware of it. So she's able to be like, I'm doing what I want here, and I'm, I'm going to find my way through this because I want to help my family. So she, it's still... It's just still lock and key storytelling with another sort of level to it. And and again, not to keep plugging the podcast, but we kind of danced around spoilers a little bit. The other thing that I think is so wonderful is the idea that the dreaming becomes the way that Mary Locke sees it when she comes in. So it really is a lock and key universe. It's using these characters. It is clearly the dreaming. But at the same time, you have literal locks everywhere. You have literal keys everywhere. It morphs to become something that is in her story in a certain way. It's so cool. It's even if you have never read these things, I think you could still get into it, but it's certainly the sort of thing that is going to be so much richer if you know Lock and Key and you know Sandman. A hundred percent. Let's move on then and talk about Batman, the detective number one from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Andy Kubert. This is obviously a new series from Tom Taylor taking on Bruce Wayne, but it's picking up in the current continuity with an older Bruce Wayne, less resources, trying to take on a mystery where people are specifically gunning for the people that he's helped in the past. What did you think of this one? Uh, sorry, I thought we were going to talk about Lock and Key for another like twenty more minutes. So I was and ready to could. move on. I was, we could. You know, um, we could. Yeah, I uh, I really love the kind of Constantine gloves aspect. That really blew my mind in the right kind of way. I think this is a cool, bulkier kind of uh, uh, just more badass Batman in, in a different kind of like creepy kind of monster way that I'm, I, I think is, is very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's, it's also such an, uh, like creepy, interesting idea of like someone, you know, spoilers, but someone is killing everyone that Batman has saved. And it's just like, fuck, you know, like that, that is, uh, it's, it's very specific and such a cool premise to set up in a first issue to see like how this all unfolds. Yeah. I mean, the Andy Kubert art really pops in this and it, it helps to really tell the story of a more aggressive Batman than maybe we've seen in a while and less concerned. It's interesting that it's called the detective because I really feel like he's being less of a detective and being more of like a hammer. Yeah. It should be like, Batman, the goon squad, number one. Batman <laughs> is mad right now. 
Yeah. Number one. It's maybe this is because I'm thinking about another book that we're going to be talking about later on in the stack, but it definitely feels like Tom Taylor doing Dark Knight Returns Batman in current continuity. Yeah. You know, Uh, I agree. And I do think the art really supports that. Um, This feels like uh, in that world or like uh, Greg Capullo, if he was like, Mm -hmm. like really like juiced up, writing a really juiced up Batman. I mean, (laughs) Greg Capullo is pretty juiced up and that guy is huge. I don't think he needs Mm -hmm. to get any more juiced. I'm not saying he should get juiced. I'm not saying he needs juice. Well, just stop saying that. Whether it's orange juice, juice. apple juice or grape juice, he's got to get juiced up. Oh, That's man. Right. I'm going to go with grape on that one. When Alex drinks two different kinds of juice in the morning, you got to watch out. I love an assortment of juices. I call that a about? suicide. That's too much juice. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. That's how you do it. You get an assortment of juices. They call that a Long Island juice tea. It's really fucks you up. Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow, number one from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Pascal Ferry. This is an expansion of the What If line, and in this one we're getting What If Spider-Man hung on to the symbiote instead of giving it up. We get random flashes, not random flashes, but flashes of the events that happened in the comic books leading to him giving it up, but they go in a very different direction. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this going in, despite liking the team, but I really went like that they went in a very different direction for Venom here. I thought this was really well Venom. done. Venom. I agree. Um, we the the darkness, the way they use the sort of the suit influencing Peter Parker um, is in such a subtle way has a, such a light touch to it that it really keeps you guessing what he's going to do and what little moves he's going to do because it it doesn't just make him like a villain or a bad guy it heightens a lot of his reactions across emotional reactions across the board like um the way he talks to aunt may in this issue i was like whoa really yeah. turned up yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is, aunt may conversation, yeah dude. the thing is is like uh the idea of it is is very interesting and this is like creepy in a lot of different ways that spider-man isn't um but, like, uh, I'm a huge fan of not only Venom, but then when uh, Peter Parker dons the black outfit after Flash Thompson really uh, original dies in the series, like, I love that Spider-Man. But this is almost, like, too dark where it's not enjoyable. It's uh, uh, creepy, which is what they're going for, which is cool. So it's it's a very kind <laughs> of, like... gamut of emotions there. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a little too much for me, but I think it might be interesting for some people. But when... Uh, real freaks out there. Some of the people <laughs> who are more fucked up than me, which, you know, congratulations to you. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, it was real hard uh, uh, seeing a lot of this stuff. Like, emotionally tough, especially when uh, MJ comes in the room and he accidentally uh, pushes her. Like, that was like, I was like, no, 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 no. Good stuff anyway. Home number one from Image Comics, written by Julio Anta, art by Anna Wizzick. This... I didn't know what to expect from this book going in. I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be an image comic book about somebody with powers and whatever and some weird sci-fi twist. Most of it is about a mother and her son who are separated at the border because of a new president. Things do happen at the end that amp it up to image comics levels. But by the time you got there, you've really been run through the ringer emotionally. And it's only helped by the art that really is this all-ages art, yet dealing with a very serious subject. I was very surprised by this book. Me too. I was, 
it really positions it from like a kid's point of view in a way that, and it is told very directly. It's sort of plainly in a, in a, and I mean that in a good way. Like it, it puts you there in a way that I was was intense. And like you said, like we get into some uh, heightened reality at, at near the end of the book, but like the front half was just as revelatory and just as intense to read. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's very powerful, very moving. Uh, I was. Yeah, it's just it was it's absolutely heartbreaking like it's supposed to be. And I do think the art plays a real interesting combo with a if this was more realistic art, I wonder like how how much harder it would be to read, but because it has a little cartoony light feel, it makes it a little easier on the reader. Uh but and it also kind of helps with the later stuff. But man, uh, just watching the kid getting taken away from her mother is Fucking heartbreaking. Well, and I think the cartoon, the sort of younger feeling art enhances that to me. It feels like a, a, a kid's, you're more in the kid's point of view here, and it's 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 intense. Yeah. It's a good book. Definitely pick it up. Next yeah, up, Wonder Woman number 771 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, and Jordi Belair. Art by Travis Moore and Paulina Gonshow. In this book, we are getting Wonder Woman still trapped in a weird dream state or whatever's going on with her over at Asgard fighting with Thor and his compatriots. And in the backup story, we get a tale of a young Wonder Woman. We love the first issue of this post future state reboot. I'll tell you what, I think this held up in the second issue here. Oh my God. I, I fell in love with this more in this issue. I really, yeah, I really love this adventure that Wonder Woman's on. This kind of like, is the squirrel on our side? Is it not? I mean, should you trust squirrels? I don't know. My brother won't ever trust squirrels. Not if uh, you are chasing nuts on your own. I once had a squirrel crawl up my pants. Right. Yeah, you were briefly in a cartoon, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a real thing that happened, though. I, I think okay. it, I Do remember tell. you was telling the story, but please, yeah. There's a little baby squirrel. It's not much of a story. There was just a little baby squirrel Where were in the you? backyard. Okay, uh, I the was backyard. in my parents' backyard, my backyard at the time as well. There's a baby okay. squirrel. It was very cute. And we're like, it oh, was your parents' this. backyard the whole time. I mean, yeah. I yeah. paid for it and made tea. I don't it, think so. Whoever <laughs> it was, I don't know. I mean, maybe so you did the baby some squirrel was there, chores. and I looked at it, and uh, we were looking at it. It was kind of cute. Look at you. It looked at me. It did. It looked at me and kind of cocked its head a little bit and then ran straight towards me and just ran up my pants and ran around. How far away? Wait, 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 wait. It ran around. What do you mean? (laughs) Ran up, ran down, ran up the other one, ran down. You know how it is. Wait, wait. It ran up each leg and down? Yeah. Wait, you say ran around like it was in there for like a couple weeks. Also, how could you keep around. standing there in between leg, leg, like once runs down the leg, you run. You don't stay stay and wait to see if he's going to run up the other leg. I was it, frozen in fear. I know oh squirrels are coming from my nuts. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. How old were you? I don't know. You were, did you really think? Did you really? Th- I don't know if the story holds up. Do you really think <laughs> that the squirrel was going after your nuts? No, I. It was just very. It happened very quickly, and it was very surprising. Yeah, 
Well, okay. it, I mean, it makes sense because you left a little trail of acorns right up uh, your pant mm-hmm. leg. I did. Le- I always wear a couple of acorns on my legs, and also it was the '90s, so it was those very loose pants. I all right. Yeah, I, yeah wow. your Janko jeans really <laughs> squirrel home. Anyway, room this book is good. What did you yeah. think of it, Justin? I, oh wait, oh, I you're do- not done, Pete. Yeah, sorry, we got okay. sidetracked. I really love this idea that uh, Thor is a toolbox. It's kind of fun to see DC's kind of vision of Thor. Um, but I also like the Dr. Psycho cameo. Uh, we haven't seen a lot since the Harley Quinn animated series. So it was, it was fun to see. I I thought it was a really great use of Dr. Psycho and, um, yeah, don't trust squirrels. Go ahead, Justin. Um, I just, I really like this book. It feels like they just taking such a strong stance with, um, with Wonder Woman going forward is really exciting. And all the like sort of larger mythological uh, underpinnings are going for here. It's really good. Next up, let's talk about a book that I put in the stack just for Justin. Dark Hawk, Dark Hawk, excuse me, Heart of the Dark Hawk, Hork. number one from Dark Hawk from Marvel, written by Danny Fingeroth, Dan Abnett, and Kyle Higgins, art by Mike Manley, Andrea DeVito, and Juana Ramirez. This is an anniversary issue for Dark Hawk, as well as teasing some of his future as our Dark Hawk Expert, wow. Justin, take it away. Uh, I mean, this did. Uh, they Dark Hawk's one of those characters that there's a lot of nostalgia for, a lot of '90s nostalgia for, and they often it's very '90s, very '90s. They often bring Dark Hawk back to be like, okay, let's try to find a way for this character to be a part of the universe. There's the whole Raptor thing. They were sort of like the intergalactic manhunters of the Marvel universe, sort of for a while. And it, it all hasn't quite fit. So I appreciate in this issue, they take it back to the basic premise and then just sort of advance that through the different ages and give an end in a place where I really, I really, I thought the last story really heightened the very simple sort of 90s-esque storytelling from the, f- the first story here to something that felt like, oh, this actually feels very modern and it feels like they're taking this in a direction. It was satisfied child me and me who are in fact Aww. the same person. I don't Pete, what about that. you? I don't believe that child you and, and uh, the person I see before me are the same. Same person. dude, I just pasted this fake beard on. <laughs> <laughs> you did a shitty job pasting that on. You're, you're telling me, brother. Uh, yeah, I mean. Gotta take all this gray shit out, you know? You know, Pete? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm all gray now. What um, about you, Alex? Alex, nope. we sort of have a sim- similar yeah, uh, beard mm-hmm. vibe here. here. Patches. I don't like how we're all storing, slowly morphing into looking like the same dude. It's freaking me out. All right. <laughs> That's I, what they say. You know, you, uh, your pets pets and owners start to be like each other. I don't know which one I am, but I don't like it. Um. So, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> Alex, what were you about to say, but just I, didn't? I, I held it back. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I thought this was, you know, like a... Classic kind of collection. You got some interesting tales in here, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember the 90s. This was a fun character. I don't got anything against Darkhawk. I think it's cool, even though he, like, bites Wolverine's claws for some reason, but whatever. He's got his own. That's a grappling hook, dude. Oh, okay. My bad. He can shoot that out. (coughs) Excuse me. 
Let's talk about Jenny Zero. (laughs) Number one. But Alex, we didn't get your take on Darkhawk. Yeah, that's a great point. Jenny Zero, number one from Dark Horse Ah. Comics, written by Dave Dwodge. I don't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand what was going on. Oh, well, I guess you needed to do a little research and maybe talk, call up your old pal JT and I'll walk you through Darkhawk. We'll do a dark walk through Darkhawk. But you probably won't uh, pick up the first time you call me. But, you know, the art was pretty good. And uh, like you said, I thought this last story in particular was interesting. I always like Dark Hawk. I Dark Hawk. I don't like the fact that I can't pronounce Dark Hawk. Yeah, that's really Maybe weird. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Let me be honest. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Jenny Zero, number one from Dark Horse, Dark Hawk Comics, oh written by God. Dave Dwodge <laughs> and Brockton McKinney, illustrated by Magenta King. The concept here is what if a kaiju fighter, but she was wasted all the time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought this was fun. What did you guys think? Yeah, I really like the cover. Uh, fun kind of party monster with somebody just kind of like passed out like they're at a party. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the she brings up a good point. Why aren't we all just drunk doing our jobs? You know what I mean? Like, we could get away with it, could we? What yeah. if we are? Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Justin, what oh, did well. you think about this one? Uh, I Pete's like this done. a lot. Pete's done yeah. talking. <laughs> Real. It's like, what if we could all be drunk? Mic drop or more appropriately, um, bottle of beer drop? Yep. Uh I like this a lot. Like I thought the art was very cool and the character uh Jenny that we right from the jump, I was like, Oh, this feels like a different book. This feels like a fun new take on Kaiju, um, which is something we've talked about a couple times lately. Yeah, and it's got a great kind of last page reveal. I think it's uh I think it's a fun book. I'm excited to see what happens. I like the art in particular on this. I was trying to place it because it reminded me of something else. It's a little bit like Brandon Graham, but not exactly. Yes, I was getting strong Brandon Graham vibes from this. Yeah, it's also, it just feels a little bit like a European comic as well. Uh, Super fun. Next up, I want to talk about what I thought was one of the wildest comics of the week. Rorschach, number seven Uh, from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by... Jorge Fornes, in this issue, our main detective character sits down with the current guy who thinks he is Rorschach, and that current guy is Frank Miller. Yeah. Yeah. That shit got crazy. And it's not like uh, a guy misspelling Frank Miller. No, it's straight up Frank Miller in this universe. He has created a book called The Dark Fife Returns. based on the pirate comic books of the Watchmen universe, and he has gotten sucked into this Rorschach cult, and that's what the detective is interviewing him about. Um... there's that. There's a reference to amazing fantasy. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Like it's almost exactly the cover has the same kind of thing to a little uh, blurbs. And I was just like, holy. The thing that I liked about this book, like I like what Tom King is doing here, talking about conspiracy theories, how we yeah. see whatever we want to see in them, how they take hold of people. I think that's a really important and pressing issue to be talking about. It's just. What is he saying about Frank Miller, the comic book author here? Yes. And also, what does what does it say? I feel like this issue is examining the sort of pirate comics as the main fo- like form of comic books in this universe. And what does that say about this universe? I feel like he's trying to make a point here. And also, like, know. is that point actually about Spider-Man comics? Because it's like a... Uh, the pirate comic is a ripoff of the Spider-Man comic. So it's like... Uh, yeah, like, are we talking, are we actually talking about Marvel Comics in this? Like, 
what what is going I mean, on? I think the main thing that's coming out of Amazing Span, uh, the Amazing Fantasy fifteen. I think it's called like Astonishing Fantasy or something like that. The pirate mm-hmm. in the same classic Spider Man pose, and also with Dark Five Returns, is what we get in that Frank Miller speech towards the end, where he says, "I released Dark Five Returns. I was saying something dark and." moody and insightful about pirate comics and then a squid fell on New York and killed all these people and what did it even matter? So there, that I think is the reason there to show us this parallel evolution of comics and that's what he's exploring. But to Justin's point, I can't really parse out certain bits of it in terms of what it all means versus just showing us this alternate history. And then- I think the, the much stronger point is the main action of the thing, which is they play just this scratchy tape recording and everybody hears whatever they want to hear in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, and apparently that's a real thing. If you want to talk to the dead, you just set up a tape recording and, uh, that works. Or a podcast. You might be, yes. Uh, you might be missing the point here, Pete. Um, but because I've been watching the, the QAnon doc on HBO, uh, and I think, to your point, Alex, Stop this is getting me to buy into your pyramid QAnon scheme. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Justin, we should mention as a multi-level marketing scheme based on QAnon. Yeah, yeah. it's based on HBO Max, more appropriately. Where you <laughs> I, I try to sign you up for HBO Max. Yeah, um, the ultimate pyramid scheme. I, I do think like using this tape as a way of people hearing what they their secret desire is like a perfect map to conspiracy theory in uh consi- like it's just specifically but, QAnon in our world but it's also like comic books in that way of like we see ourselves in certain characters and are drawn to certain things and then feel like a part of what's happening you know what i mean like it becomes so personal these stories so it's it's this comic is so meta in a lot of different ways and i can't wait to have the full story to try to understand what's happening right now. I am very much enjoying this ride. Uh, Tom King is confusing me in all the right ways. And this is just a crazy, interesting comic book. Well, I think Tom King with this book, especially, but in a lot of his books, he writes for the end and often is a little like spare with details, trusting that the story he's presenting is interesting enough that you will be drawn through to find out what's happening retroactively and this is a big example of that but i i, I do think that um the QAnon of it all the, the QAnon is such a thing because they absorb all other conspiracy theories and are like we have everything for you we want the most people to be here and that's sort of a metaphor for comic storytelling as well where it's Whoa. like oh you don't like this spider-man well there's a spider-man in the other in like four other books doing slightly different things so we have that flavor for you here please please stay here well, comics, not, the original QAnon. There wow. you go. Wow. Yeah. Just a way to ruin comic books for me, you fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy number 15 from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing, art by Juan Forgiri. In this book, we're getting a bunch of wild Guardians of the Galaxy action. I I like this. That's yeah, all. I, I, I don't Al, know. I, I had a fun time reading this. It's fun. Yeah. Al just can't do no wrong. I mean, this is just. What a different gear this is from the creepy-ass Hulk book. Uh, Yeah, this is really fun, a completely different tone, but still such a great, intricate story. Uh, Yeah, I was really impressed with this. I thought uh, the art and the action was just fantastic. 
Uh, yeah, really impressed with this book. An amazing uh, last page kind of reveal. Very happy about that. One of my favorite villains of all time. This this book it, to me is like sort of the Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band of Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. In that very specific. All, all the Guardians are like sort of like they've let themselves get a little weird. They're all like being a little like Star Lord's <laughs> like I do this now. Um, uh, Quasar is like I'm this now. Like everyone's just getting into their own little thing, and it's still every it's still coming together in a fun. It's shaking it up in a fun way. Uh, here's one that I am curious to get your guys' take on in particular. Doctor Who Missy number one from Titan Comics, written by Jody Hauser, art by Roberta Ingranata. In this book, we're getting a new adventure of Missy, a.k.a. the Master, as she goes and, spoiler, visits herself in prison. As a Doctor Who fan, as a fan of Missy, the character, I really enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun reading this, but I have no idea if this works at all for people who don't know Doctor Who. And I know both of you don't really watch Doctor Who, so what was your take? Yeah, What's, I, this, what's this fucked up Mary Poppins book like? <laughs> Yeah, I I did not get that she was visiting herself in jail. Mm -hmm. I also didn't believe that she was Doctor Who because she kept saying it and she seemed uh, not all on the level. So, yeah, I was very confused by what was going on, um, but I thought it was very interesting and very cool art. Justin? Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, this is definitely... I feel like I've inflicted something on both of you. No, 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 no. This is great. I love when you bring your interests to the table. But <laughs> uh, this is a, sort of a little, like, uh, mousetrap for us. And I'll tell you what, it's good. But I'm not interested in that cheese. <laughs> oh, wow. Way to hold your ground on that. You know? I will say, if any of you listening or watching are Doctor Who fans, this is enjoyable. They do a really yes. good job of capturing Michelle Gomez's voice. Uh, this so is Michelle good. Gomez. It, truly, very Michelle Gomez. Like, I think yeah. that is Wait, great. who's Michelle Gomez? She is Madam Satan. You know. Madam Satan from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. No, I know who that uh, Gomez is. I didn't know that was also. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, I just what saw the picture. What a journey you've just got on. Wow. A cool. conversational journey with Pete yeah. LePage. So Jody Hauser does a great job of capturing her voice here, which is really fun. And again, as a fan of the character, is enjoyable. Uh, I, like we've established, I think if you don't know what's going on, it might be a little bit of a heavy lift. But fun stuff. Next up, American Vampire number 1976. Nope, that's not right. American Vampire <laughs> 1976 number, number seven from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Francesco Francavia, Tula Latte, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. In this one, we're taking a little bit of a break from the main storyline and getting three flashback stories that have taken place not necessarily in 1976, which is a huge bummer. Yeah, because it's right in uh, the title and... That's the year that we've been having uh, all the action and stuff take place. But, wow, what an amazing story to kind of go back and show us how actually George Washington died. So Mm -hmm. that was crazy. Yeah, and this is a true story as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going to have to rewrite all the history books, man. We might solve a mystery. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Might solve a mystery. All right, yeah. go. You, he took that cheese. Yeah, yeah that. Yeah, I did. Pete loves cheese, and he loves taking cheese. <laughs> yeah, my mustache <laughs> started this, freaking out, so I What's had this to... cheese in this little metal <laughs> shelf yeah. here? No problem. Yeah. I'll just put my head and arm in here. <laughs> 
nibble nibble. Um, this, I, I mean, Scott Snyder's just meticulous in his storytelling, so of course we're going to get a little bit of flashback. We've just had a lot of Yeah, he really walked moves. away from all the action. I was kind of like, come on! Perfect. But I think just in the right time, just in the right space where we need to get a little bit more, gets to have some other artists come in and do the jam sesh. Like, yeah. it's, it's great. It's, it's what you want. Good stuff. Next up, Jules Verne's Lighthouse, number one from Image Comics, written by David Hine and Brian Haberlin. Art by Brian Haberlin in this book. A woman and his uh, a robot are going on adventures. <laughs> yeah, sort of like DuckTales. What just happened to you? <laughs> I don't know. I had a little bit of a hard time following this book, to be perfectly honest with you, but mm. I like the art. Oh. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I really like this idea of kind of like a space lighthouse and like all these people traveling and they're just kind of stuck. And then uh, when the kind of action comes to them, like what's what's going to happen, what's going to go down? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I thought this did like a really cool job of setting up this uh, bigger arc and there was a lot of uh, tension and action. So I think as far as like kind of setting things up, I think they did a great job. Uh, like you said, the art's great. Some really interesting characters. So, yeah, I very much enjoyed it. Um, this uh, so um, hard uh, reminded me of um, Lost in Space, the Lost in Space Netflix mm. series. Mm-hmm. Um, just like sort of across the board. Wow. You? Alex, I know you watched that show. I love that show. Me that too. Is, that is one show I always feel bad about this because – that show is so good, and I always forget that show exists. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why? Weird. I, I don't say, know. Here's uh, why I think, because I often forget it as well until I'm reminded by uh, this book. But, like, it was, it comes out at odd times of the year where you just, or at least I just binged it, and it was like, that was great. And then you go back to normal other yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably it. I can see the relationship as well. But, again, art is good. Pete seems to like it, so that's great. The Joker, number two for DC Comics, written by James Tyler IV and Sam Johns, art by Gillen March and Mirka Andalfo. In this book, we're continuing Commissioner, former Commissioner Gordon, excuse me, yeah, please. Hunt for the Joker. Some big revelations of this issue yeah. about the world of Gotham City. And then we get a backup with more punchline stuff in jail. I... One thing more than anything else that I was struck about with this book, and this is a big spoiler for the book, so don't listen if you don't want to, but it turns out that Gordon has always known, or at least known for a very long time, that Barbara Gordon is not just Oracle, but also was and is kind of Batgirl. The narrative leaps that James Tynan goes through to justify that and make it work with the crazy continuity of any comic books company is very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Uh, And I I was just big upping Scott Snyder's meticulousness, but James Tynan is like sort of right there with like someone who like – James Tynan for it, dude. Don't fuck up his Of course. But like came came like was came up in the very much the Scott Snyder vein in DC Comics and was like just as meticulous, if not more, and really wants to make sure that every little story point is sort of shuffled into being a line and, and making perfect sense. Yeah, I I've uh, very much been enjoying this Joker book. I've been very interested at in how different it is than I thought it was going to be, and. Uh, 
you know, Joker isn't really in this issue a lot. Um, but the, the Jim wow. Gordon stuff is really intense. And like that whole line where he's just like, that clown has taken so much from me. I was like, oh my God. Uh, this is very, very cool. I love, there's a lot of different premises being set up in this. Uh, but doesn't feel like a kind of middling issue where, where things are kind of, we're just moving these pawns to get them in different places. I feel uh, really kind of enticed on where this is going. Uh, I'm really liking this whole clown hunt thing that is coming up. It's very cool. And then there's like a Lady Bane now. Very exciting. It really is a, a, a Jim Gordon book that is just titled Joker. Right. Well, I think the thing that struck me with this issue to the point you guys are both making, it feels like what James is doing is Hannibal set in the DC mm-hmm. universe because mm-hmm. the main character there is Will Graham and then you have Hannibal in the Wait, outskirts. So jo- Joker's going to eat uh, Jim Gordon's... Uh... No, that's the thing. Hannibal would never eat Will Graham because they're in love and they're doing a dance of death type thing. And I think the same thing is happening with Gordon and Joker as they're locked in this dance of death where one is going to destroy the other, but more likely they're both going to destroy each other simultaneously. Or Jim has been the Joker the whole time. Sure. And let me also say like Hannibal is a cannibal because it rhymes. So mm-hmm. Joker is a smoker or a midnight toker. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Homesick Pilots, number five from Image Comics, written by Dan yeah. Waters, art by Casper Wingard. Man, this book is so good. This is the end of the first arc. We get our, speaking of kaiju, kaiju house oh, fighting man. tape kaiju thing. Uh, the images in this book are so wildly insane. I know we've said wonderful things about every issue, but a good portion of the time, I'm not 100% sure what is happening in the book, but it doesn't matter because it's so engaging the entire time. Just the, the commitment. This book to me is like, just great commitment. Commitment to the premise, commitment to the characters, and commitment to me like, I don't, I don't know, this is what I want this to be. I want it to be a big house fight. Um, <laughs> And we just get to see these little elements that were put on the table early, heightened every issue to the point where we're here, and it feels totally earned. Um, This book is great. One of my faves. Yeah, I really love how it's uh, tying everything in. Uh, The action, the artwork, it's all just kind of amping up as we go in all the right ways. It really is so much more than just the kind of monster fight that's being set up. There is just a lot of different things happening, and it's really impressive how well done it's happening as it's going. The character designs are unique. The paneling is really unique. It's really impressive, the coloring and all the different stuff that is going into this. It's a really top-notch comic. And we get a nice, strong pivot at the end of this issue that I'm like, what is this next chapter going to be? Yeah. Great stuff. Next up, Superman number 30 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Sean Lewis. Art by Scott Gudlowski and Sam Beasry. In this issue, we're getting a flashback, I guess, to an adventure that Superman and his son went on in outer space. And then the backup story is all about Ambush Bug. Justin, you've been a big fan of all PKJ has been doing. What'd you think about this one? Yeah, PKJ is really carving out um, his own corner of the Superman uh, mythology here and really pinning it on the father-son stuff. 
It's something that I really loved that was happening before we got into the Bendis era, which moved hard away from that. And so I really like this. It feels like a return to that form from before, but then adding this like sense of just dread hanging over everything that I you don't really get in Superman very much. Like Superman is very much like bright, shiny, like going out and doing stuff. To have it be a, an anxiety above Superman the whole time, I think is really different and interesting. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I think it's an interesting story and cool art. Sounds like you don't like it, Pete. Who could ask for anything more? Oh, yeah. No, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of different Superman stories. Sometimes, like, Superman's like, nah. And sometimes it's, like, right on. So I don't know. Like, maybe it was just the mood I was in or something where I wasn't feeling a Superman story. I do think this is an interesting story and amazing art, so I don't want to undercut something just because maybe I'm feeling like shit or something, but like, mm-hmm. wow, know, I'm really taking it personal. You're well, saying it's I, not, this not Superman, it's story, man. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've, you've read stories or seen I've movies read. at different times in, in your life. And <laughs> have you kinda... ever just not to interrupt uh, Pete, Justin, have you ever read stories or seen movies? Or do you mean Alex at different times in my life? Yeah. Different times in your life. Uh, I guess, let me, let me think back. I guess it was different times. No, I think I watched all movies at one time. <laughs> this one time I watched all movies, and this other time I read all stories. I'm glad you guys are having fun. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what your what your your take is. There's a lot of comics. We have a lot of different ideas and thoughts and takes, and you're saying like you we've read a lot of different stories and we've seen a lot of different movies at as you said. Truly, at different times in our lives. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> let's move on. Talk about Birthright number forty-eight from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. We're getting to the end here. There are two more issues after this of Birthright. In this issue, Mikey is tracking down his magic brother <laughs> abroad, and I'll tell you what I I mean I, I'm getting a better sense of how this is going to end based on this issue. But it's wild that this book has gone on so long past beating the main enemy of the series. And it's become different things. This issue, it's becoming a story about the brothers, which is something that it wasn't for a long time. It was about a a kid. It was about a a grown-up sort of not ready, sort of like – uh, Tom Hanks' big style story for a while. Then it was a family story at different times. And it was a relationship story, and there was a fatherhood story. And now it becomes this brother story, which actually makes a lot of sense for where it started about sort of like lost childhood. And here now they're both they've sort of both arrived at this point of having lost their childhoods um, in a way that like that's why I just loved I've loved this title from the jump like the way it's been able to just be so many different things um, and still at the very end just like a badass magic fantasy battle story Pete what about you what's your take yeah I mean brothers are tough you gotta go through a lot with your brother and uh, you know but I do like the way they're kind of tackling this in this book and like the fact that like 
one brother like went out of his way to buy that kind of figure. And then the other brother was like, Hey, thanks. Give it to your kid. Like was such a heartbreaking, small, but huge moment in a way that really represents a lot of like what brothers can be to each other. Like you're sometimes you're just really off with communication and different things hit you differently. And I just, it's impressive to kind of see that in a comic when there's all this unbelievable action and magic and crazy shit going on, you know? So like, and it's not just like my brother's a dick and I got to kill him now. There's just more to it. So I, I really appreciate what they're doing. And, you know, Justin, uh, you know, talks incessantly about this book. So, you know, I, I don't want to kind of like step on, uh, uh, on his shoes a little bit here, but the, the, it's, Really impressive how this book started and where it is now. We're brothers. No, we're what? not brothers. I'm we're your all... dad. We're... Next up, Sweet <laughs> Tooth, The Return, number six from DC Comics by Jeff Lemire. This is the final issue of this series that has rebooted Sweet Tooth in a new era. We've been, I think, hesitant, enjoying, but hesitant on this book until we saw how it wrapped up. Now that we know how it wrapped up, what's your take? How are you feeling? Is this sweet or is it tooth? Oh, it's a lot of tooth. Um, I don't know. Reading this issue, it's it's interesting. It feels like I the idea here is that like humanity sort of sticks together in the end and doesn't want to like kill any everything for the sake of one madman's belief system uh despite the fact that he's in charge but it feels like the whole thing feels like it's a different shape of story or it's there's not a protagonist here it's more like things are happening to these characters um in a way that felt a little less uh it was harder to enjoy this throughout i think pete what did you think i i so first off i love the whole kind of like uh elephant you know kind of like are we is this good guy bad guy kind of like i really love the how it's uh, stayed a good guy that really made me happy i thought it like ended in a very cool way um i kind of also liked the the how it like the bad guy got undone you know what i mean so i was very happy with it but i also wanted more because I know so much about Sweet Tooth and everything like that. So it was short and sweet, but I still loved it. Short and Sweet Tooth. I always like Jeff Lemire's art. It is so lovely in its simplicity. But I agree with you, Justin, that there was something that I couldn't quite get a handle on with this series. I think it's worth reading, but it feels like a weird sequel that I'm not 100% sure what it was saying. Yeah. Maybe it's worth rereading the original series to compare to it. That's something that I haven't done. I don't think it detracts from the legacy of Sweet Tooth no. by any and, means. And like you're saying, like the art's really good. It's a good story. It just felt like when you come back from a story as epic as the original Sweet Tooth, <laughs> I, I just felt Bless like there you. was there was going to be Thanks. more of a um, just a swing here, and it feels like it was sort of just like taking up some of the leftover themes of Sweet Tooth being like, well, here's another uh, thing that's sort of in that world with yeah. an Erlefant. There you go. The Scumbag, number seven from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Francesco Mobley. This issue, we are getting our scumbag is on the moon. 
battling people, finds out about a new cult. It is, as usual, raunchy and in your face. I thought this was a very fun issue of this book, but I've also been enjoying pretty much everyone across the board. Um, what'd you guys think? Uh, it really feels like with this issue, it's like, oh, this could just go on forever. Like, this yeah. could be just a real, like, touching on a ton of, like, superhero worlds and other genre worlds with this character that is sort of always fun and funny and always fucking up in new and interesting ways. And in that way, it feels like uh, like a lot of Remender's great, like a fear agent for the uh, modern age. Pete, your take? I'm sorry. I was uh, texting Gabriel Rodriguez. Well, which one are we talking about? <sighs> Jesus, Pete. It's a weird flex. Scumbag number seven. Oh, it was the yeah. one with all the dongs, so you didn't like it. Right, right, right. No, I, I think it... Um, I so really, you mean more dongs? Right. Yeah, yeah. More I think dongs that, than Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Shadow. I think it's, uh, what I like about this is it's kind of like this thing that we know has been coming, right? Is Scumbag going to be able to save the world? Or we is do an audio podcast. Feel free to come into the microphone, Pete. <laughs> it's these type of things that make me hate you with a fucking red hot passion. Listen, man, I refrain from making a joke about how Spider-Man's shadow is because of his dog. So credit where it's due. Great, great. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, uh, I, I don't even remember what I was saying. Is anymore. this driving you nuts like the squirrel that went for my nuts? No, boy. Uh, where yeah. Where the squirrel? <laughs> really? What do you think about it? We've been crawling up your pants for like 14 years, Pete. Yeah. I've been living in a dong shadow. Yeah, I just shadow. don't I, I it's one of those things where is he really gonna be able to save the day or is he gonna just kind of be he, it's this back and forth. And I want him to be the good guy that I know uh is in there that we've seen glimpses of. And so it's just uh, you know, uh hopefully it can it can happen. You and can change was, him, Pete, you think? I, I hope so. I'm hoping this, like, it was kind of uh, funny, this kind of, like, his discovery of, like, every cult is really just about orgies, which I think is an interesting idea. Uh, but it's, like, this thing of, like, will he be able to keep it in his pants to kind of uh, save the world? So it'll be interesting. Proctor Valley Road, number two from Boom Studios, written by Alex Child and Grant Morrison, art by Naomi Franquiz. In this issue, our teens, I guess, are trying to figure out what happened last issue with a seeming werewolf attack, maybe a ghost attack on the road. Things get weirder this issue. What'd you think? Another example of like using a different type of art to highlight the horror of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked a little bit about that a little bit last issue, but continues on in this issue and just, just a good compelling story. Like feels like a different, different version of Grant Morrison is here um, doing, doing this thing. Yeah. I feel like this one is a little bit more Grant Morrissey gets a little bit kind of like tripped out with the cut and stuff like that. Um, But um yeah, it's it's also nice to see Grant Morrison be a little bit more straightforward in this way in this kind of story. I really like all the individual characters on this team. Uh everybody kind of gets their kind of moment and they kind of showcase them in different ways which I appreciate. Um uh, yeah, this is a very creepy, interesting story. 
Uh, I'm kind of on board, so I'll be interested to see how this all folds out. And of course, you know, the kind of last page that if you read comics kind of knew what was coming. Uh, and I feel like they delivered it really well. Next up, Carmen number two from Image Comics by Gillum March. This oh, is oh man, picking up on the first issue where trigger warning here, but a woman seemingly has committed uh, suicide, and she is kind of in a place between life, between death, being ferried by this very death type character called Carmen, who is allowing her to fly naked around the city and revisit her old haunts. We get to see a little bit more of Carmen, this issue, whatever else you want to say about this. This is a stunning looking book. Absolutely stunning. And so dreamy, dreamlike. It feels like the, there, the point where, um, where she's spotted by the kid, she -hmm. thinks for a second, Felt like such a dream moment where you're like, I'm having this great dream. I'm flying around naked. And someone's like, wait. And you're like, ah. And then you wake (laughs) up. Um, And I just, this is, it's like you're saying, beautifully drawn. Um, Really interested in this story. And this issue is just something to really let wash over you as you read it. It's it's very kind of like. I, I've seen like a lot of comics and uh, television and movies for that that try to capture dream-like things, but the paneling here does it in such a uh, really cool, interesting way that really does feel like she's uh, like swimming through the air in this dream-like state, and it's really well done. It's very interesting, and the nudity aside, it's very artistic and cool. Um, I think I think that- the nudity is also artistic. Sure, sure, sure. But, you know, uh, you know, some people might be tuning in just for the nudity or whatever. So that's why I was. Well, saying, so like, here's one thing and not to make you uncomfortable, because I know you don't love these aspects, but I appreciate the fact that the main character has a normal body that hangs yeah. in a normal way. You know, it isn't a superhero comic body with yeah. breasts that defy gravity. It is something that clearly Gillum March who is kind of known for like his sexy women in the DC universe is instead trying to reach into more life model territory. And I appreciate that. That's part of what leads to the dreamlike, like not, this is a sexy lady flying naked around. It's somebody who has forgotten their clothes in dream logic. Like you're saying care is taken here to your point that really makes it a unique story. And uh, speaking of care, Karen is a very to see the way Karen like interacts with different people. Very sorry, Carmen. Sorry, Uh, yeah, Carmen. uh, It's very interesting to see like how like that dude on the plane. Oh my god! uh, And like just the her kind of like it's her day job. You know what I mean? So she's Mm -hmm. like invested, but not like really caring. You know what I mean? Like it's very kind of interesting the way it's portrayed in the comic book. I love Uh, my day job. Oh, okay. Every bit of it. Really? Uh, All right. Great. It's wonderful. I can tell by the fucking cool shit you get shipped to you in the backdrop. All right. I'm just saying I need the money, man. Is this your night job? (laughs) Yeah. Because this is my, this is my day job. Oh, this This is is my day job. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow, pretty cool day job. Speaking of things that are dark like night, Black Hammer Visions number three Ooh, from Dark do you see Horse Comics, written mm. by Chip Zdarsky, art by they Johnny Christmas. It. We've been loving this anthology series on the show that is telling different stories from different creators of the Black Hammer universe. This is telling one of Slam Bradley, I want to say. No. 
That no? is that is a character from Slam M Abe Slam. Abe Slam. Abraham Abe, Slam. Abraham Slam. And this is wildly like the plot of Falcon of the Winter Soldier, this issue, which is surprising <laughs> to me. What did you guys think of this one? Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's tough getting old. You know, some young kid comes up trying to take your job. You what do know, you know like, about that? What? What do you know about tough getting old? I'm I'm old. You're 16 years old, Pete. Oh, Wow. It's nice of you to say. I've got a drinking problem for 16. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I like what the character is going through. It's very relatable. This is very interesting. There's a lot of high stakes, which is cool. Uh, it's nice to see a character grow, and it gives me hope that maybe I can get over my own bullshit. Justin, what about you? Uh, like you said, I've been loving this, uh, the anthology nature of this, this series and being able to touch on these different characters uh, and, and have the stories be like so different and be about just totally different things. And this one was cool, like indifferent, like the guy doesn't get his girlfriend back at the end. He just figures out his life a little bit, which... It's really good coming. stuff. Even if you haven't been reading the Black Hammer books, I think you could pick this one up. Yes. And Agreed. that Agreed. is it. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night. We sure do. 7 p.m. Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat That's with you my about day comic job. books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Woohoo! See you there.